I have a lot in common, I think. Uh, you know, we're partners in the same practice. Um, we both have children. Um, I, I know you over the last couple of years uh, at Orthopedic Associates as being a very humble person. So I, I think, you know, this kind of interview thing um, maybe is not our, our sweet spot of, of comfort. But um, tell me about your kids and, um, you know, what, what makes you stay so humble? I, I think parenthood is one of the most humbling things we can go through. Uh, tell me about tell me about that. Yeah, I think like you, I have four kids. Um, the chaos. Yeah, <laughs> um, to the point where one of our partners joked that I should have I should switch over to foot and ankle because I think most of the foot and ankle surgeons <laughs> in our group have it's a have prerequisite. Kids, yeah, in our practice, uh, more yeah. than three kids. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, most of my kids are, my, my kids are all young. Uh, oldest is 11, youngest is three, um, three girls and then a boy. So uh, it's, it's super busy right now, you know, obviously uh, all the kid related activities and um, which I'm, you know, abandoning right now. So, you know, just figuring out all the moving parts and, and trying to get them into uh, all of their rehearsals and practices and games and things like that. I'm sure you know. Total chaos. Yeah. So we we share that, and uh, and we're both at Orthopedic Associates of Hartford. Uh, both, although different specialties, orthopedic foot and ankle and and physiatry kind of focused on um, you know similar aspects of musculoskeletal healthcare. Um, and then you know, in kind of reflecting on this interview, I was uh, thinking to myself that despite all of those similarities, you've done two things that I have never done. And one is to encounter this major medical event, life-changing event that um, involves open heart surgery. <laughs> and then the second is having a broken foot and running a distance endurance event on a broken foot. So <laughs> tell me tell me about that, uh, those two things, what would you say? Yeah, it's obviously been a, a crazy kind of life altering year and a half. Um, so too, too much to summarize in, in you know a few minutes here, but started when I found out I had a congenital heart condition a few years ago, uh, aortic stenosis and an aneurysm of the ascending aorta and was told at the time that eventually it would need to be repaired. So we were monitoring it for a while and then it kind of unexpectedly progressed faster uh, than, than we all thought it would. So I was told in the, in the fall of 2021 that surgery needed to happen sooner rather than later. And that two year mortality had, had increased to the point that it was concerning. So long story short, I really tried to, uh, to hasten the process and, and, and get things done, you know, rather quickly. I figured if it's going to happen, let's get it done. But, you know, a lot of balls to juggle, um, getting my practice, you know, in order and, um, you know, getting my family set up, getting, you know, multiple opinions and figuring out a lot, a lot of surgical decisions that had to be made that, that were really, really challenging. And, you know, I can elaborate on all that later, but, um, so wound up having surgery in November of 21 and, uh, spent a long time recuperating from that, uh, came back to work uh, a few weeks later, probably earlier than I should have, but really kind of slowly returned to, uh, kind of a full duty work status, uh, over a few months. Yeah, I would, I would just interrupt and say, you know, number one, that's something that most humans don't go through. And uh, as being someone who is new at OAH, uh, you know, maybe there for about a year when this unfolded for you, I'll just share with you that two things, you know, really struck me. One was 
how <laughs> incredibly put together you were as you present, presented that uh, dramatic, you know, left turn in your life uh, to the group that, you know, your, your composure really struck me. And then, you know, along with that, I was uh, really intrigued and fascinated and, and kind of uplifted to see how our organization, OAH, you know, kind of um, wrapped around you and, and tried to support. Um, what, what's your memory of that incredibly chaotic time uh, relative to, to OAH at that point? You've, you've been with OAH longer than I have for uh, eight or nine years at that point. So uh, what, yeah. what about that? struck you I guess I must have a better poker face than I than I thought but uh, <laughs> no it was uh, it was really just kind of overwhelming all the all the support that that the group provided I think that was really um, you know one of the one of the highlights of, of the experience really uh, from you know I had shared with a couple of members of our executive committee early on a couple of years ago when I found out about it just to kind of say hey this is eventually going to come I just want to make you aware I don't know how this is going to impact the practice and and right away, they were just you know immediately supportive. You know whatever we need to do to to kind of keep you afloat and, and and keep your practice intact and and not make it a burden on on you or the family. And then when it finally did come around, it was you know um, one of those you know uh, situations where how, how much do I disclose to everyone in the group? You know you know I, I don't I. I, I Basically, try to fly under the radar, keep to myself, and um, but I felt like it, I, 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 it was better to share that information with all of the providers in the group, just to explain, hey, here's why I'm not going to be a part of my practice for several weeks, and 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 you know, not at full steam for several months, just so they don't think that you know that you know I don't care or, or that I'm abandoning you know patient care, and uh, so I decided to disclose all the details to the group. And was just really overwhelmed at, at all the support that, that I received. Almost every single provider reached out, um, whether it was just to share words of encouragement or, you know, some of them uh, contributed to like a meal train, laundry. Um, the group was just very supportive in, in keeping my practice afloat. Uh, even, you know, uh, Jason DeCruz, for example, Dr. Zoe's PA, um, volunteered to just kind of help see me pay, see some of my patients, which was just, yeah. you know, it, without even asking. Uh, so, so things like that, just across the board, yeah. really just made it, you know, just dr drove the point home that, that this really is a family and, and, um, you know, what we do transcends, you know, the, the, um, the, the practices that we run and, and the, you know, the, the, the kind of business of, of medicine also, um, so just really touched upon that that personal component of things. You know, we are so uh, you know oftentimes locked into the pace of our schedule and you know trying to you know meet the demands of our community as people come with their own you know kind of left turns in life. And it, you know, it strikes me that a lot of what we do in our specialty involves you know people who find themselves suddenly in a totally different situation than they imagined themselves, right? It's a, a step off a curb or an unfortunate accident or a, you know, kind of a acute pain flare. And, and they come to us, you know, uh, wanting to know like, you know, what next and, and how, you know, what decision should I make? And you were, you know, just really in, in kind of a similar fashion to a lot of patients that we see, you know, kind of you're, your script flipped, you know, pretty dramatically, right? Um, maybe not in in terms of orthopedic injury, but in terms of all of a sudden having to make these 
um, you know, really important life-shaping, life-altering decisions in a way that you weren't expecting to to have to. Yeah, to do. and and it's funny that I think that really began my kind of journey as a as a just a patient, right? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously as a as a physician, I, I I have the medical knowledge, the ability to you know scrutinize literature and things like that. But but cardiovascular surgery is very far removed from yeah. you yeah. know from what I do. So. Right. Um, you know, I, I could do all the, the, the medical research that I want to do a lot of, and in many cases, it just kind of came down to consulting with other patients. You know, there's yeah. lots of support groups out there, patient forums, um, really just trying to collect information on, on other patients experiences and, yeah. and trying to make the best decision for me. Cause there are lots of variables to how to approach the surgery and how to, um, you know, um, navigate things long term, which is right where you know our patients find themselves, right in this kind of foreign world of of orthopedic surgery or physiatry, and they're um, you know they have a vague sense of of their own anatomy, but you know we're we're coming at, coming at them with some technicalities and some verbiage that is totally foreign to them. Did you find yourself a little lost in the in the technicalities and? language of cardiothoracic surgery oh yeah, yeah. i mean it's you know it, it, i mean there, there there were surgeries that i didn't even know existed right that were actually offered to me right and so you know i had to really get in get into the weeds on that yeah and as you're trying to sift through that you know it strikes me that you know a lot of our patients are trying to do the very same thing in their own process with their own orthopedic injury and um you know you know i i'd like to think that our patients are kind of relying on our um you know, our professional sense of things, uh, you know, and I, I'm always, I'm sure you're doing the same offering patients resources to, to do their own research or, you know, second opinions, you know, within our practice or outside the community. And, um, you know, as you were trying to make those very granular decisions, what, what did you find yourself relying on uh, as a patient, you know, to, to help you make those decisions about your healthcare? I, I think honestly, it, it's, it was me, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of knowing the way I am and and how I would um, what what would make me most comfortable long term yeah. because there were pros and cons to all of the decisions. So yeah. I got information from multiple surgeons, um, other patients, and just tried to and, and realize in the end, and my cardiologist, I have to give him probably more credit than anybody else. Mm -hmm. He spent a lot of time discussing things over with me and he and he basically said he goes, I don't think you have a wrong decision in yeah. how you approach this. Yeah. And that was really the take home point. And so I just kind of said to myself, all right, what is going to make you the least stressed, the least anxious, you know, moving forward? Yeah. And, and that's really what, what, what drove my, my decisions. Yeah. It's fascinating, you know, to think about how medical and surgical decisions are made. You know, I think a lot of patients come to that process kind of assuming that there is a right answer and that there's only one option. And, you know, in medicine, in every specialty, it turns out there's, there's always more than one, you know, surgical option, which means that none of them are perfect, right? And so right. How, do, how do patients kind of find the right balance of um, maybe taking their, their physician's advice versus, you know, kind of analyzing where they are, you know, in their life, their timeline and kids and family and obligations and athletic interests. And how, how do you choose the procedure that, you know, kind of fits or is tailored to, uh, to, their, to their lifestyle, to their comfort zone? And, and you were you are in the thick of it, you know, trying to do what uh, what our patients do every day when we see them. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny. I remember going to one of my uh, my post op follow ups with my cardiologist, and this was like four weeks after the surgery, and I was pretty frantic. You know, a lot of different 
you know, variables, different experiences that has happened, different concerns. And I know what it's like to be on the other side of the fence, right? Where, you know, you know, you have a set amount of time, you have a, a busy waiting room. But on the flip side, I had all these questions and, and I was that patient who came in with like the, the, list. the, the list. The list. <laughs> and, uh, and I said to myself, you know, I have to make sure I do this very quickly because, you know, you don't want to belabor it. So just get to the point, get your answer and move on. So it was just interesting knowing, okay, now I know, now I know why Absolutely. patients come in with these lists because I, I get it. Yeah, for sure. It's so important. And, uh, you know, we, we do feel the pressure of the schedule in our daily life, but um, so valuable. I mean, I, I can imagine uh, that you are a, a better doc having been through that as a patient um, in, in terms of understanding both sides of the script and, um, yeah, uh, the details of decision making in a way that uh, you know you just you can't know it until you've you've been through something like that, right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm obviously you know it, it can be hard to tell patients um, who are who are sitting there asking you, well, what should I do? And there's sometimes not a a correct answer, right? You, you can't give them a, a strong recommendation because the, there's not going to be one specifically correct way to to go about doing something. Yeah. So you knock that out of the park, right? This uh, open heart surgery, check the box off the list. Don't have to do that again. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I, I still remember uh, when you texted me about your foot injury. Uh, I was at a, a music festival with my wife yeah. and my, my adult children. And uh, I had to find a quiet space, like, you know, two, two acres away. <laughs> so that we could talk on the phone. I'm not sure I was giving you the best medical advice at the time, but uh, you know, when, when the dust settled and my, my ears stopped ringing and uh, made my way back to the office and, and looked at your x-rays, um, you know, we, we had some decision-making uh, to, uh, to make between ourselves, uh, doctor and patient. And, um, and, you know, I was so struck by uh, just you know, kind of the gravity of, of what you were trying to do. I, I, I want to run a half marathon. Um, how far out from your open heart surgery was this Was this event? That so the event itself was about 11 months after. Um, I, I guess the quick, you know, kind of summary here is uh, I, I had, a, I, I definitely struggled during the, the immediate window after surgery. Um, I think the hard part for me was I went into surgery without any symptoms, you know, probably in the best shape of my life. Yeah. And it was hard coming out of that, you know, literally coming home with a rolling walker, like barely able to walk, um, you know, spent the first few weeks literally just on a walking program, you know, not able to lift, not able to do anything. Um, and I, I, that was that was a struggle. Um, but at the same time, I, I kind of learned the ability to to just adapt, to try to figure out other ways to maintain some type of physical fitness, you know, to try to keep strong and doing, you know, certain activities and, and, and classes that I, I never imagined I would do. Um, flash forward a, a couple months later, you know, lifting restrictions come off. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel good. Um, it was probably maybe about four or five months after that I, I started to say to myself, I think I think you're getting back to, you know, the ballpark to where you were before, not, not quite there. And then things kind of picked up, and and what happened was I, I've I've shared this with you. You know, I'm, I the, the one activity that I was never really into was running, and uh, I had a couple of good friends who uh, did a half marathon for the first time, 
And, you know, we, we actually have a text chain together. We communicate about like, you know, fitness and diet and all that stuff. And, and um, you know, they're, they're sitting there talking about their experience training. And it was, I don't know what came over me. It was just kind of like, you know what, I, I think I, I say to myself, I don't like running because I've never been good at it. And I've never really tried to hit it head on. So it just, it just kind of came to me, you know what, just do it. Like these guys are doing it. Use it as an excuse or an opportunity to try to tackle something that, you know, you're not good at and you, you've claimed you don't like. In addition, my wife has always talked about wanting to do the Hartford Half Marathon. So without even telling her, I was like, all right, I'm signing us up. <laughs> so I signed us up, I think, in June. So this is what, like seven months after surgery. It's crazy. And, you know, we had a few months to train and um, started getting into it, actually started enjoying it. And my goal went from, okay, just finish this thing to like, okay, just maybe finish it in like under two hours <laughs> to, all right, now I actually develop like a, a, a you know, a, a goal for, yeah. for my time, which yeah. was, is not going to be anything great compared to, you know, your, your avid runner. But for me, I was really kind of set on trying to get under an eight minute mile for it. So really kind of push the pace six weeks out in August, was outside on a, on a long training run, rolled my foot immediate pain, kind of knew it wasn't good, but I was kind of hoping for the best. So I actually finished the run and knowing that I was like, my thought was, you know what, if it's, if this is bad, I'm done. Yeah. If it's not bad, I might as well get this training run in and, and get, you know, <laughs> one and then once one I stopped the run, that's when it was, you know, evident to me that, that things were not good. Yeah. And so I was, I was pretty frantic. And I think one of the, the, the luxuries that we have in our group is that we have, you know, multiple specialists, right? Yeah. For yeah for every specialty. Yeah. And, um, you know, like anything else, we, <clears throat> we have almost 30 docs in our group. It's, it's, you know, we, we cross paths pretty frequently. So, so you were kind of the first person that I, that I thought of, cause I know, you know, I, I see you all the time in Hartford and, and then I felt bad texting you like on a weekend, uh, um, yeah, right. not, didn't know that you were away. So, um, but yeah, and then went to our urgent care, uh, right. I, I went to our urgent care first before I reached out to you. Yeah. So that was my first thought when I got home. I figured this is not good. I should probably go to our urgent care. So I just went right there. And my first time going there as a patient. So that was a, yeah. uh, a great experience. I mean, you know, got right in, got x-rayed, um, was able to look at my x-ray immediately, yeah. knew already, even though, right. you know, I've, I've shared with you foot and ankle was probably like my worst <laughs> specialty, but even I can see that it was broke, broken. Broke is broke, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, they got me, got me fitted for a boot and recommended that, you know, I, I talked to one of our specialists and then, and then it went from there and, yeah. um, you know, both, both you and, and, uh, and, and Ross Benthine, yeah. who I see, yeah. uh, you know, we, we cross paths also were, were very helpful in, in, in yeah. navigating you know, the decision-making uh, process. Our office party is not a bad place to break your ankle, right? I mean, you, you're going to have <laughs> yeah. some immediate advice yeah. and feedback, right? So, yeah. um, yeah, if you, if you have to go through an orthopedic injury, but the timing, you know, was, it's really couldn't be worse, right? I mean, you've got this, you know, what I would consider or kind of envision this uh, almost heroic return, right? Like who, who would bet a nickel that a year or not even after an open heart surgery, this guy's going to be running a half marathon. And then this, you know, it kind of speaks to, um, just the, uh, the, um, vagary of orthopedic injury right it just happens you know at the worst time always when you're least expecting we see patients go through this all the time and um and then all of a sudden here you are again trying to make decisions about well you know what 
what are my options? What can I do? And uh, these are much less life-threatening decisions that you're making. But it's but you know I kind of thought of that when I heard what you're trying to do. Like this guy is he's got to run this right. Like he's he's got to finish this. It's so uh, kind of symbolic of of a return to robust athletic health after such a um, you know threatening uh, uncertainty of of you know cardiac health issues. So. Um, yeah, for me, you know, there was there was no way I was going to tell you that you can't run on this. <laughs> but I didn't think you were going to call my bluff. You were like, oh, really? Okay, I'm going to keep running yeah. on it. <laughs> well, that, I think I think you, you kind of, you know, hit on it. I, I think for me, it had become, you know, really symbolic. Like the race was was occurring um, just short of the one year anniversary of my surgery. And, and so it, it did kind of mean a lot to me uh, to try to to try to pull it off. And I went from, you know, being in urgent care thinking, okay, it's, I came home and I, you know, told, told my friends, you know, my wife, like I'm out of the race, like it's over. And then when I spoke to you and, and I think that's another thing to just kind of, you know, highlight here is that here you are, you know, you're away with your family and you take the time out, you know, to, to review things. Yeah. You send me the x-rays, reviewing the x-rays from, from, you know, from far away. And are you kidding me? And my wife was like, where are you running? I'm like, Vince Cota Spani's on the phone. I got to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get somewhere quiet. <laughs> I yeah, wasn't going to miss that call. And I, I remember you, you know, saying, you know, I think, you know, there, there, there's, you know, you could potentially, once the pain calms down, get, 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 get back on it. And, um, I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, so you're saying there's a chance here, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that, you know, once I knew that there was an opening, and then I, I, I ran into Dr. Benthine a, a couple of days later and, and you know, we, we discussed it and, and he's a runner, as I'm, I'm sure You're you know. Like, is McDonald crazy? Like, is it? No, he, 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 it was funny because he, he spoke to me about it and, and gave me his thoughts. And then I remember as he was kind of walking away, he goes, I mean, you know, if it was me, I would do it. And I actually texted him later. I was like, did I hear you correctly? Like, did you say that you would do it? And he was like, yeah. I was like, all right. Now I've got, now I've got two yeah. people, two, yeah. two specialists yeah. telling me that, you know, it's possible. So and I don't think, you know, it's a good example of how like our advice, you know, really does, you know, as we're giving professional medical advice to patients, it, it really does hinge on the circumstance of the patient. Right. And I don't know that I would recommend to everyone. Yeah. You should, you should go try to run a half a marathon on your freshly broken fifth metatarsal. But for you and and where you were and you know your pain threshold and how important this was for you and you know kind of looking at the fracture pattern you know of your specific fifth metatarsal injury you know trying to kind of weigh all that and like I said in my mind there was there was no way I was telling you that you sh- you shouldn't or you couldn't and um, but um, you know was was really wondering if that would actually work for you. So uh, an incredible achievement for you to, you know, pull that off and accomplish it. And then we've been watching this thing heal on x-ray for five months, I guess now. Yeah. Right. And uh, you and I just took an x-ray um, a couple of weeks ago yeah. now. Yeah. Right. And um, for the first time, you know, maybe saw some real convincing uh, bony healing there. I think we were both kind of like, really unbelievable. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd, We'd been through, um, you know, kind of some anxious X-ray uh, follow-up, you know, waiting for, for for biology to kind of kick in, which is where I find myself a lot, you know, with patients in in follow-up, right? Just um, even patients who aren't my my colleague and my partner, just uh, you know, I think you know, patients a lot of times kind of expect that um, we know exactly what's going to happen, and you know, we have statistics and 
the luxury of experience and, and follow up to know where where most patients' pathway should take them, but but a lot of healing and, and recovery from medical events and from orthopedic injuries is is really determined by biology and and all the you know multifaceted variables that affect that and um, and you know uh, sometimes it depends whether our patient was you know running on their broken foot or uh, or following right. directions <laughs> well yeah it's yeah I think that's 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 a great point because you know as as the specialist you know you're there to say okay th- there's a couple different ways a fracture like this could go your sp- the, sp- the specific nature of your fracture is such that it does not require surgery and you can bear weight on it and you, and you can resume activity and I take that information and I process it and I say okay then what, I'm gonna what he I'm said gonna run was it. I can run right right <laughs> But I think, you know, the lesson that I learned in this process was you really do have to listen to your body because uh, what wound up happening was, you know, I ran the race and uh, I finished it and, you know, I I was happy about that. But in the course of resuming running, you know, the foot was still painful and consciously, subconsciously, you know, I'm compensating my gait. I'm putting stress in other areas, began developing some hip pain as I went along didn't really think much of it, just figured, okay, well, what do you expect? You're running on a broken left foot, your right hip is going to hurt. It's taking on increased stress. Um, Midway through the race, the hip really flared up on me to the point where um, it, you know, had it continued, I would not have been able to finish the race running. Calmed down 20 minutes after the race, excruciating pain to the point where I couldn't walk, couldn't even walk to my car. Next morning, couldn't really walk. Um, so I went back to our urgent care again and I, and I, (laughs) (laughs) and got x-rays of my hip, which, you know, were, were fine, but at this point I'm out. Right. 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 So yeah, now, now it's, now it's the sports medicine guys who are helping me out. And, um, so, uh, you know, no improvement, long story short, wound up getting an MRI of my hip. turns out I've torn my psoas muscle and being on a blood thinner wound up developing a hematoma related to this. And in all of that, the hip was probably, other than the heart surgery, obviously, I think the hip issue wound up being worse than the foot. Because at this point in time, the foot was feeling okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the hip was excruciating. Mm. It, to the point where in the couple of weeks after the race, I said to myself, I really don't know if this was worth it, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the whole point of sharing that is to say that, you know, I think sometimes you just have to accept defeat. You know, you have to accept the fact that you have to modify or just give your body rest. And even then in the setting of this hip injury, I said, I'm going to, you know, try to work out however I can. And I finally had a, a friend who's very knowledgeable to say to me, you need to completely shut down physical activity yeah. for 10 to 14 days. Yeah. And that was a hard thing to accept, but he was right. Yeah. yeah and, you know, I'll stop you there. I'll just say, you know, I always tell patients that uh, one unit of time in, in orthopedics or in musculoskeletal medicine is six weeks, you know, and I, I think time just moves, biology moves at a different pace than most normal humans and especially type A individuals have patients for, right? And that's so humbling. And we see patients deal with that all the time, you know, okay, it's, it's been six days, like, let's go, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's a hard lesson to uh, to soak up and, and learn on the fly. I, you know, I also wanted to ask you about um, you know you mentioned uh, that early period of uh, post cardiac 
um, healing and how, how humbling that was. And um, I, I see that in our orthopedic patients all the time. You know, these are people who are moving and grooving and then left turn and their life is totally different. And, you know, I, I um, often ask people after their injury or their surgery, like, how, how's morale? You know, like, how are you yeah. doing? And, and yeah. kind of the orthopedic blues uh, or, you know, just the the psychological impact of um, all of a sudden finding yourself not who you were, you know, two weeks ago uh, is really profound, I think, for a lot of patients. What, what was your experience? Yeah, um, a lot of I, I, a lot of post-procedure pain, a lot of post-surgical pain. Mm-hmm. Um, had a small complication, which is common, you know, pericarditis, inflammation of the sac that surrounds the heart which made things really, really painful. Um, you know, those first couple of days in the hospital were uh, a real struggle, uh, pain, mobility. And I, I consider myself to be a pretty, you know, strong-willed person, but I, I really needed a lot of motivation for my wife just to kind of get up and, and, and get after it. So, um, so that was tough. And I think just, um, you know, having those small things pop up like rhythm issues and, you know, barely being able to walk afterwards, you know, to your point about morale, it, it, it was tough. Um, but I really tried to figure out ways to, to adapt and to just, you know, do whatever I could. I think that made it a little bit easier to overcome the orthopedic injuries because, you know, uh, with the foot and the hip, um, it was easier for me to accept, okay, now you need to modify, you know, now you just need to take a step back and, and adapt and, you know, try to overcome. So, yeah, it's, you know, um, I'm always fascinated to see how people um, find the um, resolve or motivation to kind of get around this uh, unexpected major event in their life, you know, and I, I see patients kind of draw on uh, their own internal resolve on their family members, on their neighbor, you know, or their buddy who is giving them a, a, a drive or a ride into the office to see us. And, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating from their organizations, right, from their physical therapists, from all the ancillary, um, you know, kind of medical professionals that surround uh, patients who are going through these journeys, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's really a staggering array of, you know, kind of points of light in, in these patients' journeys that really kind of illuminate and help you know define their path back towards normal and um it it really you know i'm, I'm humbled uh, oftentimes to kind of be a, a a part of that but there's so many influences that affect you know the decision making that we've talked about the the, the recovery journey um that kind of really you know lift and buoy patients to get through these you know these big units of time you know that are involved in, in recovering from from major orthopedic events and from pain flares and um yeah you've you've lived it firsthand you've seen all of that it sounds like yeah and and you know i i see we all see you know tons of patients who come in they have specific many of them are physically active they have specific activities that they really enjoy doing and one of their big questions is you know how and when can i get back to doing that or i don't want to give up this specific component of my my physical regimen yeah, right and, uh, you know, now I, I, I do find it a little bit easier to kind of say, okay, you, you may not necessarily need to give it up forever, but you, you probably need to scale back and, and modify, but figure out another way to um, I- enjoy a similar activity or gradually uh, transition back into doing it by, by adapting in the short or intermediate term. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, we talk about making your move. I think there's there's lots of different ways to do that, yeah. you know? Yeah, I like that. That's great. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think you are uh, empowered, uh, I would imagine, by this journey you've been through to kind of uh, shed some light and some perspective, you know, uh, for patients on um, how to get through really difficult, uh, unexpected events and subsequent complications and uh, how to kind of meet your your goals, uh, whatever they may be, um, in, uh, you know, in, uh, in ways that involve both internal willpower and, uh, you know, external support and um, kind of where, where to find that help. Yeah. And I think the other, you know, the other side of that is interacting with different physicians, right? Different providers, because I'm in a closed room with a patient. I don't know how other providers are interacting with their patients, but mm-hmm. now being on the other side of that fence, you know, I see how my cardiologist interacts with me, how my surgeon interacted with me, how you interacted with me, and and really trying to learn from that as a, as a provider myself and, mm-hmm. and picking up on things that I could be doing better. Yeah. You know, for example, the interest that that you took in in my situation and, and really just kind of showing a, a humanistic aspect of that, um, you know, <clears throat> really made me reflect and say, well, this is probably how, how Dr. McDonald is with his patients, <laughs> you know, and I, I probably need to do a better job of, of at least, you know, tuning into their, the, the personal side of their, or their story rather than just, you know, the, the objective aspect of things. And, you know, I, I thank you for that um, compliment. And I would say that, uh, you know, I, I really did some personal analysis as I watched you, you know, kind of handle and navigate uh, the onset of your diagnosis and how you kind of rolled that out in this super cool and calm and thoughtful and, you know, collected manner. I would have been a mess. <laughs> it's just, I think, uh, you know, it, it takes a certain resolve to uh, to get through what you got through and then to communicate it in the way that you, uh, that you did. So it speaks to your personality. I appreciate that. If you were uh, if you were at my house for a few months there, you <laughs> might have a different assessment. But <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Anything else you want to uh, highlight? This is, it's an incredible story. I think it just you know is a really um, you know it it, it kind of touches on a lot of, of what we do as musculoskeletal health providers, uh, but in a very you know kind of personal and unique way. And um, I thought it was a great uh, this interview is a great opportunity to. Um, you know, just, just not only highlight, you know, your personal story, but also this kind of interaction between um, having uh, lived an experience that, you know, we often coach patients through and, and um, you were the star player. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, just all the experiences, the heart, the foot, the hip, um, I mean, I, I could probably sit here and, and talk for hours about it. Not that I want to be talking about myself, but just to be able to share that information, you know, with other, with other patients. Um, and I, in, in hindsight, you know, it allows me, I, I am appreciative in a way, as, as crazy as that sounds, because it does allow me to relate to patients a little bit better and, and to be able to empathize with them uh, a little bit more. Um, and, you know, there, there have been times where I've been able to share personal experiences with them now, you know, yeah. where, where they're not sure how things are going to go, how to navigate it. And I can impart, you know, at least my, my experience. So yeah. the ability to just educate, you know, patients and, and help guide them in a, in a more personal way, um, I, I think is, you know, something that, that I appreciate about this, the experience. Cause even though, you know, they had, I've had surgery, it's not a, it's not a quote unquote fix. I have to navigate this for the rest of my yeah. life. So 
being able to relate to what it's like to have a quote unquote chronic mm -hmm. medical condition as well. Um, you know, I think that's that's been a valuable learning experience. Yeah, well, I'm super grateful uh, for you to share that uh, in this way and uh, kind of uh, come out of your uh, calm, cool, collected, introverted self and, and kind of, uh, you know, share the the details. Uh, it's it's you know helpful for me to listen to. And uh, I've learned a lot in watching you navigate that, that process. And I'm, um, uh, you know, I think like you, uh, grateful to be part of an organization in a, in a healthcare system and uh, kind of an, an array of um, partners and clinicians and, um, you know, kind of ancillary medical personnel that, that uh, really make our day-to-day -day, uh, workings at OAH, um, you know, not so much like work. I can't say it any better. And I'm yeah. grateful to you for all of your help and, and support and, and guidance along the way. I'm glad that thing's healing. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> All right, Ben. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you.